0: Hey, what's up? It's Gustavo Ariano, and you're listening to The Times, daily news from The LA Times. It's Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. Today, I'll be passing on the mic to my LA Times colleague, Christina House. She's one of many amazing photographers that we have on staff. But today, she brings us into the life of Mackenzie Trahan. She's a young woman in Hollywood who struggled with balancing motherhood and homelessness. Christina photographed Mackenzie starting in 2018 and learned how tough it is to be both pregnant and homeless. Sadly, Mackenzie's story isn't uncommon. There's about 60,000 homeless people in Los Angeles and homeless young women are nearly five times more likely to become pregnant than housed young women. Just a heads up, this episode contains explicit language.
1: I was taking prenatals. uh, I'm homeless. Okay. I was taking prenatals and I ended up getting everything I had taken and the prenatals that I had got taken. Oh. So right now I don't have any prenatals, which which is something I was hoping I could take care of today.
2: Back in August of 2018, my team was interested in telling the story of the unique situation of being homeless and pregnant on the streets of Los Angeles. Surprisingly... My colleague, Gail Holland, who covers homelessness for the Los Angeles Times, received a call from a woman telling us that her daughter was pregnant and living in a tent above the 101 freeway. And while she was away at court earlier that day, a Caltrans crew came through and sweeped through her encampment, and she lost everything. Quickly, my colleague Claire Collins, a videographer, and I Drove out to a Denny's on Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood. In the parking lot in the back, we climbed through a chain link fence and walked along a dirt steep embankment above the 101. It was August, it was dusk, and that's where we found Mackenzie Trahan.
1: You know, my mom always said, The person she was scared of me turning into was like a drug addict who left and got tatted up and was on drugs and had babies early. And I became that exact person.
2: She was young, 22 years old. She was tall, and lanky, with blonde hair and high cheekbones. And she was six months pregnant. Mackenzie was up against many barriers. The first one was looking for housing for her and her unborn child. She knew that she had the best odds of keeping her child if she had a roof over her head. Another barrier was being able to be seen by a doctor.
1: I haven't seen the doctor because of this whole primary caregiver thing with Medi-Cal. I don't even know what I'm having. (laughs) I'm due in November.
2: She found the medical insurance system difficult to navigate, and the clinic was very far from where she was living at the moment.
1: When I tried to make my appointment, they denied me. and told me I had to come here, and this is far. From from where
2: I'm at. Plus, she wasn't able to find a job easily. As a convicted felon, for many employers, it's a deal breaker. And then there's also the stigma of homelessness. Those are just a few barriers that Mackenzie had to overcome. Mackenzie's mom, Kat, grew up in rural Louisiana Cajun country.
3: I remember a few things from my childhood, but really not much.
2: She was taken from her birth mother and placed in foster care.
3: I remember being in the white social services car in this back seat and looking up and seeing my mother and grandmother on the courthouse steps just sobbing as they were driving me off. I was five and a half years old when I went into foster care.
2: And Kat, as an adult, struggled herself with poverty. She also lost two children to foster care, including Mackenzie. She was a good mom. Like,
1: I'm not saying she was a good mom, but she just had her own issues, you know, and then, like, I I wasn't the greatest kid.
2: So as you can see, intergenerational trauma has been passed down to the next generation. They spent some time in Florida, and they have fond memories there, camping and swimming with manatees and fishing. But Mackenzie and Kat were living in Louisiana, and after Hurricane Katrina, they headed west.
1: I grew up with my mom traveling, I guess you could say, since I was six. It's been more of like a homeless runaround, like from state to state.
2: They lived in Arizona and Nevada. And at age 11, Mackenzie ran away and started using drugs and she landed in Juvenile Hall.
1: Excuse my language for saying, am well, typical fuck-up, I guess. I ran away from home at 11 and started to do drugs and was in and out of Juvenile Hall.
2: And a year later, Kat decided to move her and Mackenzie out to California where they can get a fresh start. In Ventura, California... Mackenzie had a hard time fitting in here, and things started to downward spiral from there. She was sexually assaulted by a friend's stepfather. Things weren't going out the way that Kat had hoped them to. They were fighting a lot.
1: I just don't think that she knew how to be there for me the way I needed. Like I always say now, like you can't help a person the way you find fit. You have to help a person like the way that they need, you know?
2: Mackenzie ended up in a psychiatric facility and later a group home, bouncing from foster home to foster home and ultimately ended up in a home for troubled girls in Laverne, California. From there, she ran away, jumped on a bus, and landed on the streets of Hollywood. She was 13. She was not housed. She didn't have a plan or where she would stay. When Mackenzie ran away... From these group homes, it was impossible for Kat to know where she was. Just like any mother, she panicked.
3: I'm kind of stubborn. I was searching for my daughter. I found my daughter. My daughter's back out here. I'm trying to look for I'm looking for her again. You know, like all those years of bringing her home and stuff and, and dealing with CPS cases and juvenile hall. And, and where is my child? Is she safe every night? You know, that will make a person crazy. I was crazy.
2: When Mackenzie landed on the streets of Hollywood, she befriended other kids who were on the streets for many of the same reasons as she was. They came from similar backgrounds. They were also in and out of foster care. Together, they formed their own families and street crews. Their crew went by the name Dedicated Soldiers.
1: The fucking aspect of having a family, no matter like blood or not, shape, size, color, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, that's the whole point. We don't have to be blood.
2: Life on the street also led her to start to sell drugs to support her own habits. And one man that she sold dope to actually kidnapped her and handcuffed her to a toilet in a hotel bathroom.
1: That was my first ever experience of shooting up. I got forced to shoot up heroin, coke, and speed. They tried to put me on the streets, and it never worked. That's why I got beat up. I ain't never been a prostitute in my life and never will
2: be. Her kidnapper... One day, brought her to a Jack in the Box in Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard, and unbeknownst to him, that was a kick spot for her friends, her crew.
1: And my friends seen me with him, and they fucking got me away from him, and beat the fuck out of him. And I got went to jail three days later. But whatever.
2: I see just the the roughness of. The day in and day out drama and watching your back and I understand how forming community can protect you.
1: I feel like my whole life has just been written for me. Like, I'm just supposed to be stuck here. Like, I'm not supposed to get any further.
2: So Mackenzie had actually been pregnant while homeless before, twice first time was when she was 16. She was living on the streets with her boyfriend, Sean.
1: I got pregnant with Sean when I was 16. I had him when I was 17.
2: She and her boyfriend moved in with her mother, Kat, in a converted garage in Mid-City. And Kat and Mackenzie's boyfriend fought a lot. There was tension with their landlord. And when Mackenzie was alone, after the baby was around three months old, a social worker arrived and found the home filthy and was accusing Mackenzie of smoking marijuana and possibly other drugs around the child. Mackenzie says she never did drugs around the child, but Mackenzie was a minor. She was sent to a group home and the boy was taken away. And although she was given family reunification services, she was couch surfing and homeless, and it was difficult to keep up with the required visits with the foster family that lived far away. And today that child is being raised by his paternal grandmother.
1: I mean, it broke me, but you know, like I really wasn't ready to to do that at that time. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't have anything or nobody or know how
2: to take care of myself or anything like that. Mackenzie later connected with a new partner and she graduated from smoking meth to injecting or slamming meth.
1: I didn't stop shooting up till like 11 months ago. I regret that so bad. I lost my damn mind. I almost died doing that, dude.
2: And at the age of 18, she found herself pregnant with her second child. She got clean. She moved into a program for homeless expected mothers who have a background in juvenile detention and foster care. And after her second child was born, the father went to prison. Mackenzie relapsed.
1: And I started shooting up again. And, um... I asked my friend to watch my son for me.
2: Her friend had a checkered history in child welfare in other states and the baby was taken from her.
1: But because I have a past with personally myself being in the system and my kid, first kid being in the system, they didn't give him back to me. They gave him to his dad and I did a prison term and when I got out he got married and had another baby and moved to Texas with my son.
2: Mackenzie's really grateful that the family members of her first two children were able to step in and raise them when she wasn't able to. She didn't get to celebrate any of her son's birthdays with them. That was hard for her to grapple with, being able to call herself a mother, knowing that she wasn't with them long enough to claim that she was.
1: When people get their kids taken and stuff, you know, it's always thought like, oh, they did something horrible. Maybe they just don't have, like, the skills, you know what I'm saying, or, like, family or things that everybody else has or things that's so easy to do, you know, it's like, because it's not.
2: You know, we're products of our past, and you do what you can with the resources you were dealt with. So this time around, when Mackenzie got pregnant, she actually considered an abortion because of her past experiences. Plus, she had just broken up with her boyfriend, Eddie. But then...
1: I called my mom. What she said was gonna lead me to don't you know, know what to do. And she was like, this is your chance, baby girl. I was like, you bitch, now I have to keep it.
2: Mackenzie, like many women, played her options over and over in her mind. And she ultimately decided this pregnancy would be different. She was 22 years old. She was older. She had lived more life experiences. Eddie, the father of her child, had gotten back together with her and agreed to co-parent. She had her mother by her side this time. And she also had a bond with her case manager, Leslie. And she really wanted the baby this time.
1: Because it all starts with a mom, right? You have a mom, I have a mom. I want to be a mom because like, it's the one person in the world who
2: needs me. And she knew that she had to get placed in housing to have the best chance of keeping her child this time around. It was clear that Mackenzie needed to get housed, stay clean, in order to ultimately break the intergenerational
0: cycle of homelessness. We'll continue Mackenzie's story after a quick break.
2: So, I was with Mackenzie when she had her first ultrasound. The lips and the nose are right in here. And from here's the bottom. Do you want to know gender? I think you should probably wait for the surprise. No, 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 tell me. <laughs> so right here is the gender that's a girl when the doctor delivered the news to her that she was having a baby girl she facetimed her mom immediately and told her the news
0: it's a girl
1: okay i just wanted to call you and tell you that mom we said magnify the picture so you can see
2: what you we left the doctor's office she was giddy jumping very excited for the baby's arrival So days before Mackenzie delivered her child via cesarean section, she was placed in to a transitional housing apartment for women ages 18 to 24 who are either expecting or have children under the age of five.
1: Yeah, well, I move to my place tomorrow. Wow, that's exciting. What place? Uh, path, a transitional living, a studio apartment. That's
2: great. She brought up to her apartment for the first time to check it out they had a bassinet and clothing a playpen and all the necessities that she would need for her child and she was extremely emotional and grateful to the program for helping equip her with all the necessities because the baby was coming days later
1: it's good and then there's the things about like there's no elevator there's stairs and then there's nobody gonna be able to come and help me
2: so Mackenzie would have to lift the stroller and child up two flights of steps while recovering from her C-section. What she had to leave behind to be housed was quite emotional for her too. Her friends, many of them were still living on the streets. She had to leave behind her dog because the studio apartment would not allow for pets or visitors A
3: new mom needs her mother's support. I can't stay with her because of the rules of her program.
2: So her mother couldn't come up and help her. The baby's father couldn't come up and help her. A few friends helped her pack up her tent and load up her case manager, Leslie's car, the day she moved to her new apartment. They stood around the car and said their goodbyes. And it was emotional for Mackenzie. I saw her shed a few tears and she had to kiss her, her dog goodbye as well.
1: I tried my hardest to stay away from the people who I considered at one point friends or family, who were not on the same path as me. Like, they're still getting high, stealing, fighting, etc. I'd rather lose all those people than to lose myself and my daughter, you know?
2: Mackenzie had a lot of mixed emotions at this point because in the days leading up to the birth, she moved into a new apartment but moving into that new apartment also meant that she'd have to leave her friends and family on the street. So she had to prepare herself to be a mom all on her own.
1: Are you ready to have a baby? No? <laughs> you didn't answer your phone. Yeah, I called I you seven times.
2: No, you didn't. Good morning. Yes,
1: I did. You see? <laughs> We're having a baby today. So. I'm so nervous. So
2: <laughs> the birth of Mackenzie's daughter was on a fall afternoon. She lied in the hospital bed, holding this small child, and tears running down her face, smiling at her mother, at the baby's father, Eddie. While Mackenzie was still in the hospital, a social worker showed up in her hospital room. We don't know exactly how the social worker arrived at her bedside, but what we do know is that the social worker came with an allegation of general neglect. I
1: just didn't expect him to come to the hospital. She's two days old and there's about 13 people taking care of me right now. I'm in a hospital, so there's nothing wrong. And then nothing's happening. She's not going anywhere and ever.
2: A neglect charge is brought when a parent does not physically abuse a child, but fails to provide adequate food, shelter, and supervision. These charges actually account for most removals to foster care, including nearly 90% of the cases in Los Angeles County over the last five years.
1: They're trying to find a reason to take my daughter. That's just what they do.
2: The allegations weren't enough to take the baby, and Mackenzie was allowed to go home with her daughter. When Mackenzie is back at PATH with her daughter, she goes downstairs to meet with Eddie and they walk down Washington Boulevard like a happy family, just still gleaming from the magical cloud of a newborn child in your life. But soon, the reality of... (laughs) The hard work it takes to raise a newborn starts to set in. Her mother couldn't be there. The baby's father, Eddie, couldn't be there. And her waking up in the middle of the night, she mentioned that she wishes she could just push on Eddie and say, it's your turn. You're getting up with the baby this time.
1: I'm lonely. Believe that. Like, I end up, you end up finding that you're lonely sometimes, but it's worth it though, you know what I'm saying?
2: Her days were filled with appointments.
1: I have Step Up, which has substance abuse, mental health, education specialists. I see an employment specialist downstairs. I see my caseworker here downstairs, and this is all once a week.
2: Mackenzie and Eddie even volunteered to be drug tested.
1: The point behind it is to show that I have no reason to be scared and that I I, I would like it to be seen that I voluntarily want them to know that I am not on drugs.
2: Like I have nothing to hide type of thing. Mackenzie was terrified that she would lose another baby. So she was doing everything she could to keep that from happening. Mackenzie was seeing a drug counselor once a week, meeting with him. And both her and Eddie's results came back clean. But Mackenzie was not enrolled in any sort of comprehensive drug treatment program. And she had a lot on her plate at the moment.
1: Dude, I'm still looking for a job. I'm tired.
2: The staff at PATH strongly encouraged women to find work. PATH's federal grant was contingent on increasing women's incomes. Mackenzie also really wanted a job. So she started going to a job training program at a technical college where she reads a hopes and dreams speech.
1: I hope I can teach my daughter and my other two children that anything is possible no matter what you come from. As long as you speak life into your goals, and know that no matter what barriers you have or what barriers you think you may have, you can do anything.
2: She went to a Dress for Success location to find clothing that could help her dress appropriately for her one and only interview she was able to land. After a while, we noticed that Mackenzie was starting to struggle and the PATH Gramercy staff, they started having um, like run ins with Mackenzie. One incident, she dropped her daughter off at the daycare that was provided on the ground floor of the housing building. And they mentioned that there was milk encrusted inside of the bottle. And Mackenzie said that the bottle brush they provided to her went missing and she was not comfortable asking for another one from them.
1: I'm just not used to asking for help. I need to look for another program, like, I can't do it. I don't, I've i kept my mouth shut for a year, dude. Like, I'm good, bro. My grievances never
2: got replied to, like. So yeah, Mackenzie wasn't getting along with the rules at PATH, because the rules and structures reminded her of her time spent in foster care and group homes. Mackenzie desperately wanted a permanent home. Where she could be more independent. She wanted to move from this temporary housing into permanent housing through what's called a housing voucher. But the housing voucher system is a very complex one and takes a really long time. Many unhoused people were waiting up to a year to get theirs. Housing vouchers come with so many conditions and requirements that some of the housing authorities even hire consultants to help them stick to all the rules. So Mackenzie clearly qualified for a few placements, but the tricky part would be her not being considered homeless because she was currently in a transitional apartment, and that would be a disqualifier for her getting into permanent housing. So it was a very complex situation. Even though Mackenzie was glad to no longer be homeless she certainly missed the sound of the freeway. Sitting in her apartment with her daughter, the silence was quite stifling. She also missed her friends, her community, her support on the streets, someone to talk to. There did come a moment when she returned to the tents to visit with some friends back in Hollywood.
0: More after the break.
2: Mackenzie's baby was nearly one when Mackenzie and her friend were on their way to buy a car and they were pulled over by sheriff's deputies. Sheriff's deputies found a meth pipe and a loaded gun in the vehicle Her friend later pleaded guilty to the gun charge, and Mackenzie was arrested on suspicion of felony drug possession. That same month, a confidential call came into the child protection hotline, alleging that Mackenzie was neglecting her child. The caller said a room check at Path Gramercy had found her apartment in a nasty state, with dirty dishes, cigarette butts, and spoiled food strewn about. An emergency response worker later wrote in a protective custody application to the dependency court that Mackenzie had missed drug testing appointments.
1: They're gonna take everything from me bro. Like, Dude, I did everything they asked me to do, man. she fucked up my house. bounced voucher. She waited three weeks to tell me, dude. So I was frustrated, so I stopped answering the phone, and then they took my daughter because of
2: shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, a court ordered that the child be removed from Mackenzie's home and placed into foster care. One day, the social worker had her meet him at a McDonald's restaurant And she couldn't physically hand over her child herself. Her friend had to do it. And Mackenzie and her friend described the scene as her daughter screaming and crying, Mama, Mama, as they handed her over to authorities and how devastating that was for her. After that day, she never returned back to her apartment at Path Gramercy, It was too depressing to be surrounded by her daughter's things and being alone in that room. She responded with going back and living in a tent alongside the freeway, not too far from the tent that I met her the first day in 2018. And inside the tent, I found her clinging to her daughter's blanket, and it was extremely heartbreaking to see her there. I had seen her on such a high, with hopes and dreams just like the rest of us and extremely in love with her daughter. For me to see her back living in the tents where she started was um, really hard. What was clear to me as a pregnant woman carrying a child at the same time as Mackenzie while working on this is how easy it is for us to overlook our privilege of being able to as a working woman in America, being able to access services and be able to have my own car to drive me to appointments and not being criticized for being a homeless person. The discrepancies were crystal clear. And it was hard for me to leave her in her tent to go home and sleep in my bed after being out with her each day. I just hope that this story helps reevaluate how we as a society are able to better help people with addiction and struggles with homelessness, help them keep their families together.
0: Mackenzie did go through the voucher application process again. And in May 2020, she finally got a voucher, moved into an apartment in East Hollywood, then to one in Glendale. Mackenzie's parental rights were terminated in September 2021. Under California law, a near irrevocable cutoff that ended her contact with her daughter. For more Mackenzie's story, go to LATimes.com slash Hollywood's and read the end-up story by Gail Holland. You can also see Christina's photography and videos by Claire Hannah Collins. Again, that's LATimes.com slash Hollywood's Finest. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Surya Hendry, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown were the jefes on this episode, and Mark Nieto mixed and mastered. Our show's produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brosalian, David Toledo, and Ashley Brown. Our editorial assistants are Madeline Amato and Carlos De Loera. Our intern is Surya Hendry. Our engineers are Mario Diaz, Mark Nieto, and Mike Heflin. Our editor is Kinsey Morgan. Our executive producers are Jasmine Aguilera and Shani Hilton, and our theme music is by Andrew Ethan like what you're listening to, then make sure to follow the times on whatever platform you use. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias.